Greetings and welcome to Mormons on Mushrooms. Thanks for joining us. This podcast explores healing from toxic religious shame and other childhood trauma through unconventional methods. On this podcast, we talk about some pretty wild ideas and people share their opinions with us. Uh, those opinions do not reflect the opinions of Mike and Doug, the hosts of the podcast, but we want to provide a platform for stretching the imagination and exploring different opinions and different ways of looking at life. In addition, we talk about uh, topics and subject matter that uh, could serve as trigger uh, events for people with certain types of trauma. If you fit into that category, like me, please take the steps to take care. On Saturday. Oh my gosh, dude, it was so many layers to it. Um, talked about the one where it's like, you know, I was trying to like, you know, it's like you go in with an intention and then it's so abstract or so different than you would ever think it would be that your mind's trying to comprehend it. And then, so I'm sitting there just trying to comprehend what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling and as I'm doing this, my anxiety only, it's just increasing and going through the roof and I'm getting frustrated. And then I just feel this like, well, just, re just surrender to it. Yeah. So I just surrendered the anxiety left and I'm filled with like this indescribable, like bliss. <sighs> and I'm seeing all this, like feeling like the mycelium, like work through me, almost like the DMTLs that you talk about, right? They're just like working in and working through me. And there's like this motherly figure that's like connected to all of them. That's like oh my all of them. And she's like, and, I, and then I would resist again. Like, what is this? What does this mean? And she's like, relax, relax. I've got this. Oh my god, this, you know, I've got this. And you humans are so funny. You guys, you try to resist. And when you resist, that's where you, that's when you suffer. But if you just trust that I have it and just let, then just, just play and dance, you know, and just like, let me, let me worry about that. I mean, that's just, that's just beautiful. I mean, right. Whew, yeah. That makes me feel some kind of way. So that was one of the things. There was another part where it's like, it felt like when I was on LSD and could just, I was like playing in the cosmos and like, light was shooting out of my fingers and I could feel the energy in my fingertips. Oh, I love that. And I was in my underwear the whole time again. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and then one other cool part. So this other part is really cool. So I'm out. So, you know, uh, my partner and I were tripping together. Right. And, but she's in what sometimes we're together and sometimes I go in one room, you know, just like, we're just flowing back and forth. Yeah. And in this one, I'm like stretch my, my lower back's been giving me issues and I'm stretching it in ways that I didn't know I could stretch it. And with every stretch, I was like making these, like, uh, like these sexual noises. Right. Yeah. And then I look down and I'm like, Oh, my stomach has like a little bit of a pooch going on now. And I'm like, 
and I just like felt gross and old. And then um, I'm a little sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) And just like everything was sitting in like, I'm just a 40 year old washed up accountant, like trying to do drugs, you know? Wow. And then I go in the bathroom and there's a, there's, we just lit a candle in the bathroom. I walk in there and I see my reflection and I'm like, holy shit, I'm goddamn sexy, man. (laughs) You are goddamn sexy, man. Uh, but it was so cool to see, like, I'm like, I'm sexy as hell. And I'm doing this dance and with the light. And I'm like, and so it was this thing of like how I see myself versus how others see me. Yeah. And kind of like, hey, it's time to bridge the two. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. I love that. See yourself the way the people who love you most see you. Yeah. And that's wow. what the mirror was showing me. That was a cool moment too. There were, there were a whole bunch of moments. <laughs> ah, that's gorgeous, man. I love that. Hey, how about me doing the uh, open mic night Friday? Yeah, tell me about that. Well, I, and and you sang some Doug originals too. Well, I sang, I, I did three, you're allowed to do three songs. So I was originally just going to do one, but people were like, do three. And so I, I did two covers and one original. I I had no, when I went there, I had no intention of going up there, but I just felt it. I was like, dude, this is out of your comfort zone. Just do it. And I mean, people were very complimentary of me. Doug Cartwright wants to come in. Uh, Do you want to lift our shirts up for him? I do. I think we do. All right, here we go. Well, so welcome. I'm excited guys. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time coming. I'm sorry. Like we had to keep pushing a little bit, but, um, we started just tell, telling people we are shit at the scheduling thing. So reach out to us. We'll put you on a list. We'll fill into it. And there was something, it was interesting. So I, your name came up again because uh, I was having trouble sleeping sometime last week or a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it, I don't know if it's this eclipse energy or something going on, but I around several days, like, maybe a handful of days, the last couple of weeks, I have woken up like at three 30 and can't go back to bed. And so around four 30, that's when I usually do my sadhana. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to go do a sadhana. What's a sadhana? It's like a Kundalini yoga. You kind of do it early in the morning. Uh, you do a bunch of like mantras and kriyas and I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to do that. But before I did, I pulled up Instagram and your post was the first one I saw and that going to sleep that night. I was like, who are we bringing on next? And then I'm like, Oh, it's Doug. <laughs> That's who we're bringing on next. Universe provides. Yeah. I love that. She does. Doug, you, 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 um, your message to, uh, you know, we get some messages and we love them all. And, and like we said, like Mike said, we try to schedule them. We try to figure out who's coming on when, but yours was so simple. Uh, I remember reading it on Instagram and it was just like, dude, I have a fucking awesome story. Let's talk. I mean, it was something like it was to the, it was to that extent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And something like, Cause I heard you guys, cause I'm good friends with Dan and Julie Larson. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was the one that provided them their mushrooms for their first experience. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all coming full circle. I love it. <laughs> Man, Julie's very first time, five grams, right? I mean, she just went for it. That was under, I, that's what I instructed her to do. Oh my gosh. You know, 
I love it. Well, tell us more. I mean, who, who the fuck are you, dude? Like what, what you're just, you're out here, like just, uh, setting people free and waking people up and uh, what, what, what's the, who's the wizard behind the curtain? Yeah. Do you, I mean, are we going to dive in? Like, are we live right now? Are we going to dive in or are we just, we're recording. If you've listened to the podcast, we really don't have any kind of structure. We just chat and we love you. And we want to like, say, please tell us everything. And, and, I mean, it sounds to me like Mike and I can learn a shitload from you. So we're just, we, we may be a little bit, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I was about to say we may be a little more quiet this time, but we're not going to be. We're going to go into tangents. We're going to tell stories, but we really are fascinated by what you're up to. But as far as being live, we were, re- we're recording. Um, we don't do live ones yet because I mean, we still have it in and recording, right? Yeah. We it's are like recording. Dive right into this thing. We can, we can start swinging for the fences if you want. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Let's go all in. Yeah. So my journey has been a little bit interesting. So for a little bit of backstory, just because this podcast is like Mormons on mushrooms, right? So I did grow up Mormon, of course. Um, I went on a mission. And I got sent home early. Where'd you go? New Zealand. And Ooh. it was incredible. Best nine months of my life. You went um, to Middle Earth, you mean? Yeah, I was there with Frodo C. That's where the, that's where the, the seeds got planted, right? Hell yeah. So um, my relationship with the church, I don't, I'm not anti-Mormon. I'm not, I don't have animosity. You know, I don't think that there's some guy in church office buildings just like cunning and trying to trick everyone. I think their intentions are pure. I've got nothing against the church. Um, Although you did do a, you did do a Mr. Burns thing there. Like, and. Excellent. uh, and I, I know that he's uh, Nelson is compared a lot to Mr. You know, Mr. Burns. But like I said, I, I think I think I mean my my I've got my mom super active, and I'm so glad she's a part of the church. I hope I hope it's something that she never leaves. But anyway, so but growing up, you know, my early 20s, I was never like all in Mormon. Like it never really landed well for me. Not that it didn't land well. I just never felt like I fit in. Um. So I never had like that diehard testimony, but like I went through the motions and, you know, tried to get married in the temple and I've got disfellowship twice. I almost got excommunicated hmm. uh, just for sexual trans- transgressions. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just, so I dealt with that. I had a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, yada, yada. So, well, just not to dismiss that. I mean, coming home from your mission is the walk of shame in Mormonism. One of the two big ones, I think that, and then, getting married and everyone's like, Oh wait, they didn't put the temple on this invitation. Like, you know, those are like kind of the two big walks of shame where, you know, you picture in game of Thrones where that woman's or the Cersei's walking down. Everyone's like, shame, shame. (laughs) So what's interesting about that on that note is I remember growing up, I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard a quote like in high school that was said, basically the best way to, um, not be criticized by others is to accept their criticism. And so, you know, basically it was just own your truth. You know, if someone's criticizing you, just agree with them. And then it's like over, then it's like conversation over. Oh. And um, so anyways, I remember that quote when I got sent home for my mission and I got sent home on like, actually came home on September 11th, 2008. I remember that because I was flying on September 11th. <laughs> um, and then that Sunday, I actually asked if I could go up to the pulpit and speak. And so I was home for two days. I went right up to the pulpit and I was just like, I had other friends who'd been sent home early and they're like, 
full of shame and guilt and it's medical and they hide in their parents' basement for a long time. So that's so much shame. And I got right up the pulp and I was like, Hey, listen, I made some mistakes before I left out, before I went out, I'm working on it. I just want all of you guys to hear it from me, but uh, I'm asked some stuff I need to work on. And when it sat down, it was just like the biggest load off of my shoulders. Cause it's like, I owned it from the beginning and that way you know, no one's going to be talking behind my back. Wow. Is this the bravest person I've ever met in my life? I would never stand before the congregation and be like, Hey, I had to come home from my mission because I'm working on some stuff. I've made some mistakes. I would never do that. If anything, I would lie and be like, dude, I fucking nailed my mission. It was awesome. They sent me home early because I baptized so many goddamn people. And I was up on the pulpit. I'm like, hey, guys, remember my girlfriend I had before I left? Wow. Let me tell you a story about the night before I left. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's something to that. I just want to highlight this for a second. So I, I listened to this book recently called like Anatomy of the Spirit which is pretty cool. I don't know if you guys have heard of that book, but like, what's that? Sorry. You wrote it. Oh, I don't know. I'll look it up and I'll put it in like the show notes maybe. But like, uh, I forgot her name, but she, it's really good on audible because she's like reading it in front of like a, like a little mini audience and she's very conversational about it, but she relates like the chakras to like the sacraments in Christianity and, oh, cool. uh, and then the rites that they go through in, in Judaism and it's really fascinating. But one of the things she talks about is when you get to the fifth chakra, which is the throat chakra, the Christian sacrament for that is confession. Uh, and w- as soon as she said confession, it was super triggering for me. Like, cause that's, a, I, I have like an OCD confession thing from Mormonism. Like I just need to confess to like rid myself of the guilt. Cause I hate feeling guilty, yeah. but there's something about what you did which I think she's getting at like the true nature of confession. She's like the true nature of confession. Isn't like, Oh, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm horrible. I'm this. It's your energy gets splayed out. And when you speak your truth, you're calling your energy back Mm -hmm. to yourself. So you're using your voice, your fifth chakra to pull your energy back, which is feels like what you did. You're like, Hey, my story, my energy is, is out there now. Everyone's going to be talking about this. I'm going to get up there. Not as in like, oh, I'm so sorry. This It's like, I'm going to get up there and just be like, hey, this is the truth. This is my truth. I'm yeah. calling my power back to me. Yeah. And so, after I did that, I wasn't worried about what other people were saying. Because it's like, they know. They heard it from me, you know. And and it kind of gave me a confidence about myself. And yeah, no, it worked out well for me. Oh, oh I love it. But um, yeah, so after that, for probably the next, you know, see probably five six years after that it's kind of in and out you know going to church on sundays not really into it but like it's what you're supposed to do um and around that same time is i started working at vivint smart home doing the the summer sales program and i actually got really 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 good i was the top rep over there and um by the time i was 24 i made a million bucks doing the job um um I did, and I spent, and I blew it all. I spent all of it. I blew all of my money. <laughs> I made over like I think my accumulated earnings of Vivint is like two point four, two point five million, and I, I've spent all of it. Like I blew all of it, oh. and I was like driving, you know, the hundred thousand dollar Mercedes. I was traveling to all the major sporting events. I was, I mean, I went to the Super Bowl with Kevin Durant. I went to the college football playoff, the NBA play- finals, traveling all over the world. Like I was going on dates with the runner up to Miss USA. And I was kind of living this Mormon baller lifestyle. Hell yeah. Um, and was miserable, like absolutely freaking miserable. 
Um, and it's something I've coined since. And to your you know, listeners coming up, I have a, I signed a, a, this whole story, I signed a book deal with it. And my book comes out in May, but um, I've coined this term, the success void, where it's like on paper, my life looked really, really successful. I had a great job, had a good, cool car. I was dating a pretty girl. I was traveling all over the world. I was going to all these sporting events, sitting front row. But there was like this deep void in my soul. Um, yeah. And in 2000, and then I guess, you know, where the story starts to change, you know, for the content of where our listeners are really here, they want to get into the juicy, fun stuff. Um, about the things started to shift for me in 2016. Um, I was, I was big into CrossFit. I was trying to be a CrossFit bro. I mean, if you guys would have known me back in the day, like five years ago, you guys would think I was the biggest douchebag in the world. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with going through a bro out, like a bro yeah. period. I, I think that, uh, I mean, Mike, you and I kind of joke about it and stuff like that, but I was a bro for a while there. And I mean, bro's got a bro. I mean, I, and I, I think there's still part of that in me. You know what I mean? There's for sure. It's every Saturday when the youths kick off, I'm eating nachos and drinking beer with my boys, you know, oh, yeah. probably- <laughs> <laughs> that's still there. Um, and where everything shifted was 2016. It's the fall. I'm at CrossFit at a CrossFit class. I have this really cool coach. Her name's Allie. After class, she's like, Hey, there's a yoga studio next door. You should come do yoga. And I'd never done yoga ever. And it was like a restorative class. And so we walk in, lights are down low, teachers talking about chi and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the hell she's talking about at the time. Um, but we get to like Shavasana at the end. And there's like the you know hippie music playing. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? Like my mind is quiet for the first time in 10 years. Yeah. And it was after that class where I remember like within my soul, like I felt called to do yoga. And so I'm like, when, then my personality is like, if I decide something, I go all in, you know, that's why I was talking about it vivid. Like everything I do, I'm just all in. So I like immediately next morning buy a yoga mat, sign up for a yoga membership. And I start going to yoga. And um, around the same time, my twin sister, I have a twin sister and she is a lot, she's very spiritual. She's worked with a lot of plant medicines. She talked about it and I just like nothing ever really resonated. I was kind of like, you're, you're freaking crazy hippie, hippie <laughs> vegan sleeve tattoo. Like, I was like, wasn't vibing with her at the time. Um, and she's kind of introduced, introducing me to the books like Eckhart Tolle, a new earth and uh, like reading the secret and you are a badass by Jen Sincero. And so it's kind of like these, these very simple concepts of like the universe and like manifesting are slowly kind of being dropped into my head. And then when things started to get really weird was um, I was hosting a sidestep one step before every November. I just barely did this. I do a one mat, one great tool I did learn when I was vivid is uh, a yearly goal setting activity. So I do a year review this 2020 was a really weird year review. And then I, I hit benchmarks for the next year. And in those benchmarks, I always every year plan an international trip. Um, and so I've been to like Thailand and Peru and, you know, all the fun places. And for whatever reason that year, I just happened to say Costa Rica. Um, and I, I, I didn't know why or whatever. Literally a week later, I'm, I'm hosting a party at my, at my complex where I live. My friend Samantha comes and she's like, can I bring my friend Kate? I'm like, sure. So I'm drunk at this party, right? <laughs> I'm drunk. I meet this girl, Kate, 
And Kate's like, I'm like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a yoga instructor. And I'm like, holy shit, I just got into yoga. I love yoga. Namaste, you know. And she goes, oh, I host retreats all over the world. You should come. I'm like, cool. When's her next one? She's like, oh, I'm going to Costa Rica in like two months. Yeah. (laughs) Well, shit, I just put this on my, you know, goal setting board, my shift, my life calendar, whatever. So drunk on the spot. Don't know. I don't know this girl for the 10 minutes purchase a plane ticket and buy her yoga package online. It's like five grand. It's like, I wake up the next morning and I'm literally like, what the hell was that? So, <laughs> That's what am I doing? Uh, but I didn't cancel it. So this next period of time, it's, you know, winter, I'm doing a lot of yoga, kind of researching a little bit more spirituality, not diving too deep. So yeah. wait, just for a second, have you left the church at this point? Like, um, or are you? I think that I'm active. Yeah. You know, but I like, if someone asked me, are you Mormon? I'd be like, yeah, I'm Mormon. But like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to church. Right? If my mom asked me to go to church, I go to church with her, you know, it wasn't anything. Yeah. I wasn't super active at all. And I, I don't feel like I ever really was yeah, Mormon in my life, you know? Um, so we get to Costa Rica and we're doing this. And what's interesting is when I see the list, so I text Kate, you know, I mean, Kate had come friends at this point. I'm like, Hey, who else is coming on this trip? There's three guys, two of them are married and going with their wives. And then there's like 10 hot single girls between the ages of like 21 and 27. And then me. Yeah. It's a yoga trip, man. That's what happens. (laughs) Incredible. Like this is, this is man's dream. So we get to Costa Rica and whatever reason, like something shifted, like, I could literally feel like an energetic shift and I'd never really felt that before. And there was even a girl on that trip who I had kind of been seeing before. And we shared a room, not a room, but like shared a wall. Like our rooms right next to each other. I did not make a move at any girl. I was like in this weird vortex, like eyes down, like super hyper-focused. And we get to a night where we're doing a yoga retreat and we're doing a restorative class overlooking the beach during sunset and we finished underneath a new moon. Wow. So I'm like in Shavasana, she's got the music playing. And then all of a sudden I like felt my body like start to raise up. And then I turn around and I see my own body on the ground. Oh, hell yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I like, like, and all of a sudden I was like back in my body and I snapped in and I was like, wasn't sure if I was dreaming, if that was real. And it really, like, it really startled me. Like I tell people the story at the time. And, and like you said, Doug, people are like, Oh hell yeah. Out of body experience. And I'm like, no, for me at the time, it was terrifying. Yeah. It was like, what was that? Like, was that even real? And it left me kind of really, really confused. Um, so I kind of left the trip in very, in a very unsure place kind of like, what is going on? That was weird. I don't know if that was real. I didn't tell anyone about it. Um, so I don't want people to think I was crazy. Shortly after I'm doing, I'm still working at Vivid at the time. I'm doing a training uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm flying out. I remember it was a Sunday and I'm packing my bags, about to jump on, uh, take a ride to the airport. And I get an, an email from Audible that says, hey, you have a credit for the month, you know? So I'm like, oh, I'll buy a book and listen to it on the plane. And I'm just scrolling through top charts. And I come across, I think I actually have a copy of it right here, but um, uh, Stealing Fire. Have you guys heard of that one yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like how to get into flow state, whether you're 
musician or an artist or a writer. And it's just like when everything just goes super easy and I'm like, Oh, that sounds kind of up my alley right now. So I listen to it. So I start listening to that book and it gets to a point in the book where they talk about psychedelics and my, you know, programmed Mormon mind is taught that all drugs are meth. And if you do them one time, you will die. Yeah. So I was literally blown away. And in the book, they talk about MDMA, they talk about LSD, they talk about psilocybin mushrooms, and they talk about DMT in regards to 5-MeO and ayahuasca. Um, and I'm listening to this book and my jaw is like dropped. And I remember there was a quote in there from Tim Ferriss who said, every self-made billionaire I know actively participates in psychedelic uh, ceremonies. And I'm just like, what? Like, yeah. what is, this is so mind blowing. Cause in my head, like the analogy I made is if, you know, if the, if the CEO of Wells Fargo got caught up in like a cocaine scandal, that's front page news, their stocks dropping, he's fired. But like Tim Ferriss and Steve Jobs, you know, Steve Jobs has that really beautiful quote on LSD. I'm like, they're actually attributing their success to psychedelics. I'm like, there is something here. Yeah, it's totally true. I just to just to back up uh, um, uh, for a second. This is something I don't think we've talked about before, but I, I really, I'm kind of resonating with your your story of kind of getting into yoga for the first time. Um, yoga is an interesting thing to get into. Uh, when I when I first started doing it, it's really intimidating because there's a lot of stuff that goes through your mind. First of all, the people who tend to gravitate towards yoga. A lot of times, um, whether I don't think it's a physical thing, but they just are very, very beautiful people. Um, it's that confidence that comes from yoga. It's that sort of like beaming that that just emanates from a person. And so it's very intimidating for someone to get into it. And and especially, you know, we don't talk ton, a ton about uh, gender roles here, but as a man, especially as a man who's trying to... Uh, hide his his sexual uh desires or, or or maybe doesn't want to be seen as someone who's trying to be predatory the, the the idea of going to yoga seems predatory right it's like i'm just there to look at butts you know right. whether they're doing down dog and stuff like that but it's so funny how um once you kind of get through that or get over that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been the only man in yoga classes pretty much every time I've done a yoga class, but suddenly you start to realize that, oh, there's not this like weird, you know, something that I've projected myself. It's not something that is being put out there. Yoga is not creating this. Like, I think we think yoga, we think yoga pants. Well, that's not, that's not yoga. That's someone making, that's Lululemon making billions of dollars off of uh, a, a complimentary fit. Uh, and it's really interesting you bring that up because I didn't, I was very lucky to have some of my good friends be yoga instructors. Yes. And so that initial barrier to entry seemed a lot softer for me because I didn't feel, because I felt like I was, had a relationship with the instructor and there was trust there. So I didn't feel so, you know, maybe predatory or whatever or coming in from a different angle. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, it's probably something I'm, I'm revealing about myself or, or even it's something that I'm scared about myself that I don't want to admit to. But my, my first few yoga classes, my whole thing was, I'm worried that everyone in here 
thinks that I don't take yoga seriously. And they think I'm just here to look at girls in yoga pants. And, and that was like going through my head, but soon, you know, that dropped away as I started getting really into it. And now I do my own, by the way, I had a yoga session the other day. I was just doing my own yoga. And I think I, I think I almost had an orgasm just from doing uh, like this certain pose that I was doing. And I, it came on like out of nowhere where I through my breathing and through the pose and through the, my vinyasa and stuff, I was suddenly like, Oh shit. You know, when you wake up as a teenager mid wet dream and you do that, like sort of like crab walk crouch run <laughs> to the bathroom to try to like come into something that's not your pajama pants. I had that experience this last, I mean, a week ago, uh, just do just from my spiritual practice. Anyway, started started. I didn't mean to derail you, Doug, or anything like that. But I think yeah. it's we yeah. talk a lot about yoga. Oh, sorry, you're what were you saying? And yeah, you got to share me your some of your yoga secrets after this. I got to get to that level. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, was, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Rec- I, I want to tr- try to figure out how to replicate that, but it just it happened. Were you doing the, were you doing the hump pose or what were you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't know what happened, man. It was, I'll, I can talk more about it later, but it was pretty interesting. It, <laughs> it threw me off. Hey, just real quick, maybe turn up your mic volume just a little bit, just because I feel like sometimes when we're talking, if, if I'm talking over you at all, it just cuts out your mic. Yeah. Is this better? Yeah. Let's go with that and see how it goes. Cause I feel like sometimes I'm cutting you off and I see your mouth moving and I don't hear anything. Um, so yeah, let's try it. I think so. no, this works. Um, Cool. Yeah. So anyways, um, read this book, Stealing Fire. Talk about psychedelics. My mind's blown. Not even, I mean, it's probably within a two-week period. It was, I remember it was a Saturday. And my buddy calls me, this is in the summertime. And my buddy calls me and he's like, hey, there's a party up at this cabin up in Eden. Um, one of our friends from high school is throwing his birthday party. You want to roll up with us? I'm like, cool, for sure. Not thinking much about it. Have you guys been up to Eden? Yeah, uh, it's in, on the way kind of to Huntsville, kind of. In kind of the same spot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a super beautiful spot. He's got a cabin up there. So I'm not thinking much of it, you know, probably a little drinking, man, smoke a little weed, whatever. Um, but anyways, we get to this cabin and I see a friend from high school I haven't seen in a long time. And he's like, Doug, hey, I don't, I don't know if you're into any of this, but we have some, uh, some MDMA here if you're interested. And I'm like, no shit. Like I have never been offered other than weed. I've never been offered drugs in my entire life. I read this book on stealing fire. And with a, within two weeks, I get offered. And I remember feeling like thinking I have to do this. Yeah. That's like synchronistic manifestation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, for sure. Like in my head, I was saying no, like no way. And I'm like, say no. Yeah. I have to do this. Like I have, I, I have to go see how deep the rabbit hole is, you know? And so me and my buddy, my best friend, he's never done anything either. So I'm like, if you do it, I'll do it. So we both, we took a press pill. We took the same pill at the same time. We're like, yeah, high five. Let's see what happens, you know? So, you know, 45 minutes into it, I don't know if you guys have rolled, but like 45 minutes into it, you know, it kicks in and I'm like, Oh, I love everyone. This is so great. Like, it feels so good. Like rub my back. This is incredible. You know, just kind of in that MDMA state. I'm thinking like, Oh, cool. Drugs are cool. You know? Um, and, but I'm in my head, I'm having internal dialogue of like, okay, slippery slope, like ah, eight way, yeah. eight way drug. Right. And I'm kind of having a really a normal MDMA role, which is amazing. 
Um, and at one point in the night, maybe, you know, maybe two hours in, so I'm for sure already peaked. My buddy's like, hey, come up to the main bedroom. We're going to turn off all the lights. My friend has like this laser pen show thing. We're going to turn on some dead mouse. Yes. So I'm like, cool, we're doing drugs. Let's do it, you know. So we go up into his bedroom and he does this little air show, which was amazing because like the tracers are so incredible. And then it's over and like someone kind of came in and turned on the light and kind of ruined the vibe and everyone like got up and left. And then, you know, so I'm laying there on, I'll never forget this. I'm laying there on the hardwood floor with my hands behind my head like this, looking up. And I remember thinking like, there's more to this. Like there's another level here. Yeah. And I go to stand up and I have the, Oh fuck moment. Like I need help. I need help right now. And I was falling back out of my body backwards the same feeling I felt when I was in Costa Rica and immediately it, I could see like my memories were like they were so hard to explain but they were like shifting it was like I was getting really old memories that I forgot about in my childhood and I'm like oh my gosh my life my life is flashing before my eyes like I'm dying and then I'm like holy shit someone's gonna have to call my mom and tell her that I did drugs at a cabin and died. <laughs> it was the most like horrific and I, have you guys seen um get out yeah. yeah. The sunken place. I was in the sunken place. Oh yeah. And it was like this terrifying frozen falling moment of like sheer terror and panic. And I don't know how like long it really lasted. I want to say it was probably only a couple of seconds, but it felt like I was stuck. And then all of a sudden it was like, womp, and it heard like the wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. And like, I look at my hands and like something was different. I was like having the superhero moment. I was like, what just happened? And I go to open up the door to go in like the main kitchen area where like the party was. And I love that this is a Mormon podcast because I can use Mormon terminology, but I swear on my life, I was in the spirit world. 1000% like broke, broke through the veil was in the spirit world. And I was flabbergasted because my first thought was, this is what happens when you do drugs. How come no one talks about this place? Like you guys all do this on the weekends and never talk about this place. And so I'm seeing everyone like, it was, it's crazy thing. So I'm seeing everyone as like their highest selves and they have this aura that's like breathing yeah. and different colors. And people have like a light system up there, up the center of their body. And I could know everything about someone by looking at them and I remember, which is interesting because I could notice everything about them, but there was no emotion tied behind it, which is interesting because MDMA is a, is a feeler, right? And so I saw my, my other best friend at the time who was completely sober that night and he had just gone through a divorce. And I look at him and I just go, oh, his divorce has been a lot harder on him than I thought, period. Whereas normal, like a normal MDMA session, I've been like, bro, I'm so sorry. Like, I love you, you know? And I'm seeing like geometric patterns in the sky. Yeah. And I'm like talking to my friends, like, and and I'm telling them like, guys, we made it. Like we finally have gotten here. Like we made it, we we got here. And so I go outside um, and look at the, his cabin overlooks the lake. And for the first time in my life, I see mother earth's soul. And I'm like, Oh, mother earth. That's a real thing. Like, oh, I get it. And I walk back inside and he has like this gorgeous wood table and I could see the energy in the wood still there. Anything that had ever been alive, I could see its energy in it. And 
I remember then all of a sudden like hit me and I'm like, Oh, this is where Joseph Smith was. Like he got to this realm. Yeah. The first vision, like no shit. This makes so much sense. Like if this happened to me 200 years ago, 100% I could start a religion. Like, yeah. About it. I get it. Oh, wait, hold on a second. Is this just on MDMA? Just MDMA. What? Yes. I love it. Oh. And, and so, and then, like, like I said, I was assuming everyone was there with me. I thought this is what happened when you took MDMA. We made it to the spirit world, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I'm just, I kept walking around and saying, like, guys, this makes everything finally makes sense. Like, this makes so much sense. And then all of a sudden, like, this beam of light socks me on the top of the head and it's the love of the creator and think of the happiest day of the happiest moment of your life that's a 10 this is a whole nother scale like infinite love that's always on i remember feeling i didn't have to earn it it wasn't like have you been good or have you been bad it was like there it's infinite source of love that's always accessible which is so different from how we learned it in mormonism it's not, it's not after all you can do. Right. It's, it's you have it regardless. Yeah. You, you can't lose it. You can't lose it. You can do whatever you want. You can't lose this. And then at this point, I kind of look around and I realize I'm having a different experience than everyone else. And I'm like, wait, you guys aren't here with me. Like, and then, so I decide, I'm like, okay, maybe I should go be by myself a little bit. So I go upstairs in his study and I lay on his couch and, um, close my eyes. And then I start hallucinating and I could have, I could have completely misinterpreted this experience. But what I saw was what happens before we come to earth. And then what happens after we die. And before, I mean, these are the closest human words I can explain it. It's not close at all, but I'll do my best in human words. But like, there's this massive, uh, I want to call it a general's tent. And in the general's tent, uh, there's the truest essence of my soul and your soul and everyone you come across and you kind of go one by one. And it's like, all right, you know, you're going to play Doug Cartwright, this role. And this person's going to come into your life at this point, And they're going to teach you this. And then this person's going to teach you this. And then you're going to teach them that. And it's almost like contractual. Mm-hmm. And you soul have- contracts. I mean, we haven't, we haven't delved into this yet. People have mentioned this on the, and I haven't looked into it yet, but it sounds like a soul contract. Yeah. So you have all these like contractual agreements where it's like, Hey, I'm going to help you on this and you're going to help me on this and you're going to learn this and you're going to learn this. And then it's almost like ready break. And then you go do it. Um, and then when you die, I was shown, there was a, I had a spirit guide with me and, um, it was, I didn't know, I don't know who he was, if he was an ancestor or whatnot. I just knew it was someone that I trusted and it was like kind of like a tour guide. It felt like through this realm. And I remember, you know, you go have your human experience and it's almost like I looped around the earth and then I left in symbolizing death. And I was in this massive dome and I remember looking up at all of the stars and I'm like, wow, there's so many stars in the sky. It was like, no, those are actually other experiences on other planets that aren't human. So human is an earth thing. And when you graduate earth, right, you can go, do another experience. And I was like, holy shit. And I'm like, and I remember saying some of the ones of like, how long does it take to complete earth? Like, how do I beat earth? It was almost like, what do I need to do to beat earth? And he's like, well, it takes thousands of lives. 
And I was like, holy shit, I get to be human more than once. And I didn't understand what reincarnation was at this point. Like I always thought reincarnation was hippies thought that when they died, they were going to be a flower, you know, mm-hmm. and no, no concept of the multiple lives. Thing. And um, then all of a sudden I was like snapping. I was sober. And so I go downstairs and talk to my buddy who gave me this pill. And I was like, dude, thank you so much. Like, yeah, man, glad you're having fun. I'm like, no, seriously, thank you. I'll never be the same. I'm like, I'm sober though. He's like, no, you're not sober. I gave that to you, gave that to you like three hours ago. I mean, it lasts quite a while. I'm like, no, I'm sober. And so I just went home. Like I had my buddy, I got my buddy's car. We drove home and I was telling him like, dude, you'll never believe what happened. Yada, yada, yada. Anyways, I go home, I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning and I call my friend, my other friend who took the exact same pill as me at the exact same time. I'm super excited. He's like, hello. I'm like, dude, what did you learn in the spirit world? He's like, what? (laughs) When you broke through in that other dimension, what did you learn? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, what do you mean what I'm talking about? Like when you broke through that realm, like it was indescribable. It was the most insane shit I've ever seen in my life. He's like, what are you talking? He's like, I'm like, what happened to you last night? He's like, I had really good chats with my wife and we snuggled on the bed and it was like really beautiful of our connection. Like, he's like, what happened to you? Dude, I went to a fucking spirit world. He's like, what? And so at this point, you know, it sounds cool as we have this conversation. This terrified me. I was like, oh shit. Like I fucked my brain up. Like my brain, like the people on the street that are talking to themselves don't think they're crazy. And I start having existential crisis. Like, I mean, I'm just, we have to like reiterate this real quick just to kind of break it up. Like this is, you took a, you took a dose of MDMA and had this experience. It was a pressed pill. It was the Ikea logo. And what Ikea- the fuck, man? Yeah. I mean, I've, I love rolling and I do it with my, my, my mate all the time. And we have these intimate conversations. I mean, MDMA is what taught me how to be vulnerable, right? To like lean into this feeling that I've, it feels like a hot stove my whole life and no, just lean into it and relax into it. And then the warp spreads across your body and you're like, wow, vulnerability feels so fucking good. I want to do it all the time. And uh, so, yeah. So then I create a podcast to like talk all about vulnerable shit because I love the rush of just being vulnerable out in the open, but, <laughs> but yeah. Hold on a level. So side note, you guys know who Rick Doblin is founder of maps. Um, I've heard of that. So I, um, and I know of maps. I told him the story and he's like, dude, I've never heard anyone have an experience like that. Cause just for people who don't know, maps is doing the MDMA research. Psycho-assisted therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So cause you mentioned like Joseph Smith, you know, you had that thing like, Oh, this is what Joseph Smith saw. Dude, just on that one trip. I much prefer the church of Doug. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) The church of Joseph Smith. What you learned in that experience was more transcendent than whatever Joseph saw, but maybe he didn't, you know, he didn't have the right stuff. (laughs) Best part is it gets crazy. So uh, anyway, so I'm having this existential crisis. I'm like, holy shit. Have I lost my, my mind? Like if I got, if I turned into psychotic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I slept with my light on for probably a month after that experience. And coincidentally, there was another yoga retreat, maybe three weeks later down in St. George. And I was down there and I was with one of my best friends, Bea. And I'm like, Bea, I have got to tell you this story. Um, So rewind to 2008 on my Mormon mission. I have a reoccurring dream. 
It's the only dream I have any record of. And in the dream is I'm looking through a sliding glass door and on the countertop is a white birthday cake. And my emotion in the dream is like, okay, whose birthday is it? What are we celebrating? Like, what's this all about? And right before I wake up, I zoom in and on top of the white birthday cake and red frosting, it just in really big letters says June 10th. And I have that dream a couple of times on my mission. So me and my companion have this big inside joke about, you know, June 10th, we're going to meet like the perfect investigator. And it was this really funny inside joke, June 10th, June 10th, um, June 10th comes on my mission. Nothing happens. So anyways, I'm telling my friend Bay of this story. And while I was in the spirit world, my sober friend actually took a video recording of me and he was like, dude, tell us what's going on. And it's incredible because I'm talking about like, we finally made it. We can't believe we've gotten here. It's, I'm, I'm describing what I'm seeing. So I'm like, hey, let me show you this video. So I go to my photo, scroll, find the video, timestamp on the bottom. Oh, dude. And I, my jaw drops. I'm like, Holy shit. Like what? And the reason that was so significant for me at the time is it actually grounded me. So I was like, that is too big of a coincidence. Like I, I'm, I'm not going crazy. Like there's something universal is forcing me. I'm not making this up in my mind. Like I could not have made, I have notes of this dream. I have a timestamp of this uh, video recording. They connect. I'm not crazy. Anyone can see that. Just as long as you tell me that it wasn't June 10th, 2016, it, any other year, but 2016. Uh, one year after is the 17th, June 10th. That's all I needed to hear, homie. That's all I needed. Okay, good. Why? Why, can, why? Go back. You can't just do that. <laughs> I I was just getting into numberology and stuff like that. If it was oh. going to be 16, 16, you know, 32, I, I was going to get into all sorts of bullshit. So please continue. Oh, okay. I, yeah. No, I like it. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so now I'm kind of excited. I'm like, okay, I'm on an adventure, right? Heroes Journey, Joseph Campbell stuff. And so I doubled down on stealing fire and read the book again, sign up for their newsletter, watch all their YouTube videos. And shortly after I get an email, because I'm on their newsletter list, that says basically, hey, due to the popularity of the book, we're going to hold a flow camp. We'll get together. We'll talk about how to get into flow, you know, talk crazy talk, yada, yada, yada. We're going to hold it in Eden, Utah. And I'm like, what? Like literally where my whole experience happened. And so I apply to go, I get in um, and I go up to flow camp and I am not ready for flow camp. Like it was, it was during the eclipse and there was like the woo woo stuff and the astrology and the numerology. And I was just like this vivid bro just thrown into the middle of this. And I was way out of my element. I had one experience that flipped me upside down and I just got thrown into the fire. And I was the only person from Utah that even went. It's in Eden, Utah, and you're the only one from Utah there? (laughs) There's half the people there flew in from out of the country. And I literally just drove my truck up there. And so I remember thinking like, I got to get out of here. I feel so uncomfortable. I'm not connecting with anyone. I can't have any of these conversations. I'm just like fish out of water. I'm like, I'm just going to go home tomorrow morning. So I decided to stay one more night and they had these two speakers come up, talk about one was like one of the, the top uh, kite surfer in the world. And then the other girl, her name is Kristen and she's a fear specialist. She has a book called the art of fear. 
And she talks a lot about how not to suppress your feelings, how to create a healthy relationship with your fear. And I really appreciated her talk. So after that fireside chat, we're walking back up to our cabin and she's right next to me. And I get this overwhelming feeling again. It's like, you came here to meet her. And so I'm like, Kristen, like, Hey, thank you so much. Where do you, where do you live? She goes, Oh, I live in Salt Lake city. And I'm like, same. I'm like, what do you do? If you're a specialist and I do personal coaching and I'm like, well, you just found another client because I'm signing up. And so I, I've had a 30 second conversation with this woman and I signed up for a coaching program. She ends up living like 10 minutes away from me, which is fantastic. So I start meeting with Kristen and she kind of turns into my Zen master. She's very experienced in the psychedelic space. Um, and she really, really saved me because she really, really grounded me in the sense that she was like, Hey, you're waking up right now. Um, this is only going to happen once you're in a really cool flow, you know, ride this way. Like you're gonna have really crazy coincidences and synchronicities and, um, you got to just keep, keep going for it. Right. So it's like, pay attention to what the universe is trying to tell you. And she really just filled my soul like with warmth because it's like, okay, things are good. So around the same time, uh, the movie Blade Runner comes out. Did you guys see the new one? Yeah, I love it. Blade Runner 2049 or whatever. Yeah, man. I I mean, I don't know what you guys thought of it, but that was, I fucking love that movie. Right. So I remember being called to that movie, right? Yeah. Basically, the premise of the movie is there's a company that creates artificial intelligence those AI kind of turn and start killing humans, but you can't tell who's AI and who's not just physically. So another company creates another batch of AI called Blade Runners to terminate artificial intelligence. So beginning of the movie, Ryan Gosling flies in, he has an objective, he takes care of these two AI, but he realizes that these two AI had a baby. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh shit, like if word gets out that AI can reproduce, like this is not good. And this baby has his birthday carved on the tree. And its birthday is... Don't tell me it's June 10th, homie. Come on now. June 10th. So I'm like, huh. Huh, interesting. And so I remember, and that was the point of the movie, where I'm like, okay, you have my full attention. Mm-hmm. I'm here for this. So it gets to a point in the movie where Ryan Gosling thinks that he might be that baby. Mm-hmm. And so he knows he has fake memories in his head. And so his thought is if I can prove that my memories are real, that means I had a childhood. And if I had a childhood, that means I'm this baby. But if I can prove that they were fake, then I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm AI. So he goes to the memory maker, the person who makes memories for AIs to implant them in the brain to make them feel more human. And he just asks her, how do I know if my memories are real or not? And she just goes, let me show you. And she like can create experiences with her hands, almost like Harry Potter magical. And the example she uses is a kid's birthday party. All of a sudden, a big white cake pops up with red frosting. That's right. And I'm like, holy shit. The same, it looked exactly like the cake from my birthday. June 10th cake, June 10th cake. It's funny because when you were talking about your dream, it felt like, I'm like, I feel like I've seen this before in a way. And that's what it was in that movie. It was the first time in my life that I genuinely gasped, like a true gasp. And I was like, what is going on? 
Holy shit. So pause for a second here. Cause I kind of love this. And as we're talking about awakening and, uh, synchronicities and how this whole thing is, feels very like a simulation of some sorts in a way as now, I feel like this is what's happening with me. Now I'm starting my awakening journey and all these synchronicities are happening as I've like taken this hero's journey to meet my soul. Right. That even now media, but I've never experienced a TV show or movie as something to teach me as part of my journey as well. But recently we're watching, have you guys heard of his dark materials? Yeah. Is it good? I I keep seeing it pop up as a suggestion to me, but I don't. It's, it's good. It's really good. We're watching it with my daughter. Um, It's like, so, you know, Chronicles of Narnia is a very Christian based mythology. Well, the writer of his dark materials he's more atheist. So it's kind of like the atheist version of that, but, and he, he claims he's not spiritual, but I think sometimes with, with the subconscious, you're, you're writing stuff. You might think you're just writing atheist stuff, but the whole concept is this uh, organization called the magisterium, which is almost like a church like thing. So and, and everyone in this world, all children are born with demons, which is a spirit, which is their spirit animal. And their spirit animal goes along with them and it morphs up until they hit puberty. And then, and then it's fixed into a certain animal. So these children have these demons that are like all morphing as the children are morphing, but the magisterium is trying to sever the children from their demons as a way of controlling that. Right. And I'm watching this and this, uh, the, the main, uh, girl in it, she gets gifted a golden compass called an alethiometer. It feels very much like tarot, oracle. She uses it and it's a, like a superpower. It's trusting her intuition, following the signs, following the synchronicities. And I'm watching this just in tears with my daughter, right? Like, as it's, it's like showing, like, I feel like I'm this girl and it's showing me my next phase. And it, even in this, this TV show, which is created for millions of people, no, it's really created for me right now in this moment to show me my next step. <laughs> Holy smokes. Uh, well, and not to mention that, Doug, in your story, I mean, you keep mentioning the book Stealing Fire. And so then we get into the Prometheus myth. And I mean, you're you're having this multiple experiences in a place called Eden. And of course, Prometheus within mythology is the Lucifer figure who steals fire from the gods to give to the humans, which represents knowledge and technology and, 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 uh, you know, actual growth, which is what Lucifer represents in the garden of Eden myth, uh, myth. I'm, I'm feeling so many synchronicities right now with you guys talking about his dark materials and the new blade runner. And I'm over here sitting here thinking about, well, we're not even getting into the like basic Greek mythology stuff that you're also making reference to. I'm, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit right now. I love this. Um, Please continue. Well, what's interesting is after that moment, so I, went, I, I have that this Blade Runner moment, and I go back to Kristen. I have a session with Kristen. Like Kristen, you would not believe what just happened. I break it down for her, and she's kind of have she's like in awe too. And she just goes, "You know what? This is crazy, but I think I think you're ready for ayahuasca." Yes. And I'm like, Shit. wait. Now, have you done? You've just done MDMA. Have you done psilocybin, LSD, anything? I prepped for my ayahuasca session by doing six grams of mushrooms blindfolded. Oh, okay. <laughs> How was that? Yeah. 
I had an incredible experience, got really deep insights on my mom. It was beautiful. I mourned my dad's death. My dad died of colon cancer in 2011. Um, I suppressed that for a long time, and I just released all of that suppressed energy. Um, I got some really good insights on myself, and, you know, and so I felt like I was really, I mean, as prepared as I could have been. And then, you know, then November 10th through the 12th, 2017, I did three nights of, of ceremony, of ayahuasca ceremony. Wow. It, I mean, you're never the same after that. Oh, yeah. I've only done one night and I've changed the course of my life. But I'm wondering about someone who saw the spirit world on MDMA. What the fuck did you see on ayahuasca? Same. <laughs> I mean, it, it was interesting. So the most intense visual psychedelic experience I've ever had was the first time I had a breakthrough on 5-MeO-DMT. Um, completely indescribable. The second most intense experience I've ever had was June 10th on MDMA. Wow. Um, the, the spare world is, is, I always tell people, because they're like, what does it look like? I'm like, it's, I can't describe it because there aren't words for it, but it's not what you think. It just shows that, so we talk about, you know, plant medicine, drugs, whatever you want to call it on this podcast. And I remember, so when I did five, I always butcher what a, the toad, I did toad. Yeah. Five MEO DMT. And the, the shaman woman who I did it with was great. Cause she was just like, look, it's all about tuning into a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a different dose for different people. And she's like, I'm so, I'm so. She's like, I'm so versed in the medicine now that I don't need a big dose to get me to that frequency. I, so I, minimal effective dose is what she kind of pushes kind of like what, what gets you to that frequency. And so for whatever it was, whatever you were tuned into on the MDMA night, you only needed a little, you only need something to get you tuned into that. Well, it's fascinating about that on that note was, so I have two thoughts on that. First is, you know, I think about the time, like, why did I have such an indescribable experience on MDMA? Like I've never heard of anyone having an experience like that ever. I've read every Reddit post about MDMA, not finding anything that correlates. And so I'm like, okay, why did I have that experience? And I think because the way my personality naturally is, is I needed something to flip me up on my head to keep going down the path. What I think happened on June 10th is I think mother ayahuasca was knocking on my door. She was coming to get me. And so she needed to give me an experience to get me to clear a path for me to get to her. And I think a normal MDMA experience in that recreational setting probably would not have done it. And so she had to give me a a mind altering experience to continue. Um, And secondly, yeah, I can totally resonate ever since I did ayahuasca. I've done eight ayahuasca ceremonies now um, and two toad experiences if I take one gram of mushrooms, I am literally communicating with beings from other dimensions. And so my, my, uh, what's the word, uh, tolerance to the psychedelics is bare minimum. Yeah. Cause it's like, you've learned how to operate in that frequency. I know how to get there. Yeah. Uh, And I noticed that too. I've noticed just like, uh, you know, my like mushroom trips after doing that, just one ayahuasca ceremony and after doing toad once and stuff, it's just other things are, it's just amplifies. It's just like, I can get there quicker and it's enhances the experience. And you go skiing, right? And you create, you know, marks down this mountain. It's like, you just take one little dose and you're right down on the, on the street. So totally resonate with that. hundred percent. 
Man. Yeah. G- g- go on. Yeah. Yeah. We're way- Yeah. We're fine. Go ahead. So basically after that, I mean, that's when I really started making life shifts. You know, I dealt with sexual, my, my sexual abuse came out one night in ayahuasca that I completely forgot about and completely suppressed. Um, and what's interesting about that is actually my fourth night of ayahuasca that came up uh, in March later the next year. And my situation, it wasn't malicious. Uh, it wasn't like a predator trying to take advantage of me. I was six years old. Um, I had a friend who was eight, you know, delivered on the same street, a neighbor kid. And he was just curious and he would, you know, uh, would grope me and, and, and touch me a lot. And I remember feeling super violated and not really um, not sure how to handle it, but I never told anyone about it. And what's fascinating is I remember, you know, I remember literally, this is what's crazy. Is I remember thinking, okay, as soon as I'm eight years old, I'll get baptized and that sin will be washed away. Ooh. Right. And so it's like, as soon as I was eight, I was baptized and I was clean of that. Right. I was clean of it. And so I kind of put it to bed. Right. Cause I was baptized. It wasn't on me anymore. And what's crazy is when I was 14. He, uh, that friend of mine actually got in a car accident and died. Wow. And my first thought when I heard that he died was relief. Like, okay, now no one will ever know that secret. Wow. And I shoved that down in the closet and locked that door. I'm like, that will never come out ever. And then uh, that night of ayahuasca comes up. And I remember that thought started to come up. And I'm like, why am I thinking about this? It's such a random thing to be thinking about right before ayahuasca. And then I'm like, oh, wait, there's probably something here. Let's go and let's lean into this. So I leaned into it and dealt it. It just showed me so much. It showed me how um, I naturally make friends with women a lot easier because they're safe. And it showed me how when I meet new men in public settings, I have my walls up and I always make mention of like a pretty girl I'm dating or ask them if they're dating any girls. And subconsciously what is that what I'm telling them is like, Hey, I'm not gay. So don't come on to me. Hmm how that situation literally has affected my friendships for 30 years. And then I was able to go through that and release all that. And I mean, that was one of the most transformative, you know, experiences in the medicine I've had. Um, and then, you know, working with the medicine, a lot of other stuff come up, you know, with, with, the, you know, I've had a friend commit suicide and my dad passed away and leaving the church and just doing a lot of that personal work and just seeing the results in my, the net positive results in my life from doing the personal work really, really inspired me. And through ayahuasca, I was, I was um, encouraged to start my current company now, which is the daily shifts, which is all psychedelic sparked, you know, platform to help people heal and become the best versions of themselves. Wow. Well, that sounds like a great segue. (laughs) <laughs> unless unless we want to talk about well, yeah i don't know we can talk about whatever but like yeah um yeah what so talk about let's talk about daily shifts so daily shifts is it started as an app um thought i need to build an app and basically it's a habit tracker in a sense i you know I, when i first did you know medicine work you know as you always hear that the, the real power in medicine work is in the integration right um and so it's like, okay, what things can I do daily to stay in a high vibrational state? And it's, you know, meditating, it's gratitude, it's uh, giving myself permission to do things, working on my inner child, 
respecting the present moment, eating healthy, staying hydrated, you know? And so it's basically, so I created an app that's basically a checklist for the things you know that you should do every day, but no one holds you accountable. Um, and so I didn't know how, and I just started building this app, um, little by little. And the app then has turned into a webinar series, a newsletter, a blog. I have a, a, uh, a, uh, online course with like an 80 page workbook to basically, you know, help people get to where I got without medicine work. Right. And so I took two years off of my life, did all the psychedelics, went to Burning Man, hired a meditation coach, did Wim Hof, did EMDR, did yoga retreats in Bali, did silent meditation retreats in the mountains, you know, did neurofeedback, did everything. And basically kept all the, you know, met with astrologists and psychics and, and created this online course where I can teach you everything. You know, I spent a hundred thousand dollars doing all this over two years. And and so I created this online course to help people guide them through with the workbook as well. And, and uh, that's kind of what the daily shifts is now. And it's really exciting. So do you, I mean, is it a thing that you just continuously are developing? Is it you passing on like you're learning? And so then you're passing it on. Is it a stagnant uh, program? What, 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 tell us more about it. Great question. So what happened is when I started, I came out with the app and then I took on private clients to and personalized their experience. Um, and then I realized there was kind of a group that wanted more than the app, but weren't in a financial situation to take on my private uh, sector. And so I basically locked myself in my apartment for nine months and I took all the meat from all of these experiences and then created an online course where it's like, Hey, if you can't work with me one-on-one, I'll have a much cheaper experience with this workbook to guide you with, you know, a 10 part video series, um, walking you through, you know, what I call the shift method, right. To, to guide you through. And it's really for people. And it's interesting. I kind of look at, you know, the people who are, who are going through that program and it's mostly people going through a transition, whether it's leaving the church, leaving a relationship, having a crisis, um, at leaving their job to have their you know, whole identity wrapped around or, or the loss of a loved one. And it's kind of like, there's no roadmap for a lot of those people. And this is kind of is turning into that roadmap for a lot of people. We don't go really, really deep on specific topics. So this is very much like beginner day one. I have never talked about spirituality. Really. I've never really done anything. I've never done like a Wim Hof method weekend and the, the opportunity I saw on the market was there's a lot of people who need, you know, and then the whole course, what the, what the end result of the, the course is, and we're getting me is it's truly self-love, right? Self-love is the greatest gift you can get. It's the greatest gift on the planet. If you can truly love yourself, you free yourself from so much. And so that's what the course's intention is to do. And I see so many people in pain, especially like in the toxic masculinity space that need these tools and techniques but the way the current market is being presented, it's a turnoff. It's too woo-woo. It's too hippie. It's too hippy-dippy. And so they don't even start down that path because they're so turned off by you know, what's currently being offered. So it's like, okay, how can I package up these tools and techniques and make them approachable for anyone who don't seem, you know, they're just, they don't want to turn into a hippie or scared or you know, woo-woo, turned off by horoscopes and, and psychics. If you eventually get there, I mean, amazing. But I want to create something that's a lower level, entry level that, that's more approachable. 
So, so uh, there, there were two things that you mentioned there. Um, you know, obviously people are, maybe they're going through some kind of life shift. You had mentioned death of a loved one, loss of identity, whether that be through spiritual loss, uh, you know, leaving their religion or leave, you know, a job loss is a huge loss of identity. Um, if people are listening to this, and they're kind of wondering, I don't, is this for me? Should I, is this something I, I would be interested in? Maybe speak a little bit more to that of who's, who's joining the courses, who's doing the online thing, who's doing the retreats. Yeah. So it's like, it's like I said, it's basically anyone that's, they're in this middle ground of gray, kind of this unknowing. Hmm. Um, and it's scary for a lot of people because there, there isn't a roadmap. You know, when you get fired, there's no roadmap. You know what I mean? And especially people that have their, they're so deeply rooted in their job or their career, someone, you know, and, and really it's for people that are feeling what I've coined is the success void, right? Even if you are successful and there's still, you feel like something's missing. Cause what my personal story is when I was financially successful in my early twenties and I didn't feel fulfilled, I would meet people, you know, when I'm traveling first class and sitting front row, I would, I would bump into people in hotel lobbies and I would see them and I'm like, they're in on a secret. Like this person is glowing and magnetic and like it is attracted and everyone wants to be their friend and they're so personable. And I would see these people from afar and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what do you know? Like, you know something, like what's your seat? Like they're in on a secret. And so, you know, that is what, and, and to me, this, the, the true secret to life is self-love. Yeah. Right. And if you can truly, truly have self, self-love, what happens is you stop outsourcing your happiness. So many of us outsource our happiness and say, like, once I finally get the job or the career or the partner, then I'll finally be happy. Or they're still seeking, you know, from their trauma, from their kid, it's still seeking mom's validation or dad's validations or their friend's validations. And so they make all of these decisions based upon external factors which they think are going to fill this void. And if you can fill that void yourself of self-love, it gives you full permission to express yourself in the truest, most authentic way because you're not doing it for anyone else. You're doing it for your own, own inner well-being. And you're going to take the risk to start the company or you're going to go get in shape because you want to take care of your body. And you're not going to care what you post on Instagram. And you have like that secret that I talk about where you're glowing and radiating because the natural um, state of love is expression. Love in its most natural state just wants to express itself. And so if you can feel that within, you're going to be like dancing down the streets, sharing love with everyone you go to. So, you know, my course is designed to help people get to that state so they can become the truest, most authentic versions of themselves and really just start enjoying their lives because so many people are fighting with their life so much. They need life to look a certain way. And once you can let that go and surrender and fill yourself with love, it, you know, life turns into a problem to be solved to an experience to be had. And that's really yeah. I, lo- I love that you, I love that you uh, keep hitting on that point of like the truest expression of yourself um, uh, without getting, yeah, I don't know, without getting into it. Like I've, I've spent time with, uh, you know, kind of like people who are, I think that we would consider rich and famous, you know, you know, rock star type of people. And there, you know, it's we have this interesting thing. I, I heard someone say the other day that the only thing that humans have not destroyed, the only th- the only true and pure thing that humans have not destroyed is music, which um, I think I might agree with that. But 
the cool thing about what we expect from our rock stars and from our musicians is that vulnerable and true expression of self. You know, we don't expect them to be suit and tie, tuxedo, uh, you know, freshly shaved, fresh haircut, and saying all of the right scripted words and all of the beautiful things. We expect them to exude joy and to exude vulnerability and to live that true version of themselves. And I, I, God, I love that you keep talking about that because when I think about the happiest times in my life, it's those times of childlike joy, of, of tapping into who I am at my very, very center, who I am at my very base. And it's not this professional businessman. And it's not this, uh, you know, I think the three of us probably have some success in our life, but it's just that I want to dance and I want to skip and I want to be joyful and I want to sing at the top of my lungs and I want to do a silly little thing and I want to wiggle my butt. And it's, it's those things that set us free. It's those things that let us be who we were okay being in our purest versions of childhood, but that we've had to push down because of religion and uh, societal societal norms and business ethic. I mean, all these types of things that you go through like in an MBA or whatever the fuck I'm talking about. It's, it's just try to be a square. You know, Mike, I love that you talk about being a square peg in a square hole in Mormonism because that's what Mormonism wants is it wants to just keep pumping out the IBM uh, employees, right? Of and the I say that, but if they wanted me to be a fucking diamond, I would have been a diamond. I would have shapeshifted into whatever shape they wanted me to be. You would have been what they want you to be rather than what you want to be and rather what's in what's inside and what's deep down. I, God, I, maybe, maybe your course, Doug, is for me. Like maybe, maybe. I was I need... thinking the exact fucking same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To your point, I was, you know, you have to keep in mind that to become the person you truly are, you have to first let go of who you thought you were supposed to be. Mm, love that. So often we're fighting with this person who we thought we're supposed to be and to stick mm. into that role. And once you can let go of that, right. And fill yourself with self-love. And like I said, like the natural state of love is expression. Love wants to express itself. So when you, like you said, you're dancing and sticking your butt out, sticking your tongue and dancing, that's that's you loving yourself and expressing yourself in your truest version. And so I couldn't agree with you more when you say that. Yeah. And one other thing to that point, because um, we talk about, you were talking about the hero's journey before, right? And the hero's journey when Joseph Campbell talks about it, he talks about it as, you know, you, we, we're, our soul gets split in the conscious and the sub, the unconscious. And the goal of the hero's journey is to reunite with our unconscious, right. the masculine and the feminine, the divine within us. And there's something about, like you were talking about when you were in your 20s, you were getting everything your conscious mind wanted. You thought, oh yeah, I want wealth. I want women. I want to go to sporting events. I want to mingle with celebrities. And I'm still so fucking unhappy because that's not really what your unconscious wanted too. And so you get to a state where it's like, when you really take the journey of like, who am I? What does my soul want? And I get the same thing. Cause like, I have a pretty great job where in finance slash accounting, where I feel like, 98% of people in finance and accounting would love my job. 
Oh yeah. And here I am going like, I want to do a podcast <laughs> and risk losing it all, you know? <laughs> and there's other things in my life too, where it's like, you know what? I've got it. My conscious mind is like, dude, you've got it made. Just like, just chill, just relax. Just like be small. Just, just enjoy this story we've created. And my soul's like, no, there's something else I want. Yeah. Yeah. Itself. I love it. Say that one more time. It wants to express itself. Yeah. It's that existential kink, Mike. Yeah. Then we talk about other books and we're going to do a whole podcast on this one. Uh, existential kink is about, have you heard of that book? No. Oh man. It's blowing so my mind. Basically it's kind of like, it's it basically, it, it's, it's that thing. It's like, your conscious mind thinks it knows what it's want it wants, but your unconscious mind always gets what it wants. And so until you reconcile that, you're going to get stuck in patterns because your unconscious mind wants you to feel certain things or wants you to, wants you to acknowledge it. So if you're, if there's a part of you that's hurting and your unconscious mind wants you to see, your unconscious mind wants your conscious mind to see that it's going to keep you in a space you're going to see familiar patterns over and over again until you look at that spot that's hurting and acknowledge it. And so and one of those things can, is, oh, yeah. sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to no, go. I just, one of those things is what you've tapped into Doug and what, what you've coined, which is that success void of, okay, what success is such a dubious word. What do we mean by that? And why does the success that, why, why does our, um, acceptable definition of the word success leave us so empty. And I mean, you, you said it better successful. Yeah. And I think so often it's so easy, you know, especially and even in life and in school, we're taught what we should be doing. Yep. Right. And so we feel like, okay, if I follow rule ABC, then I'll get result one, two, three. That's what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, just like you said, pumping out these IBM employees, um, and I think that's much bigger. I think that's on an educational system too, not just, you know, a religious standpoint, but, you know, I, and it's interesting because as I'm doing this book deal, I'm working with the marketing team at the publisher and they're like, you know, who is your book for? And I'm like, it's for the person that's, you know, thirties, forties, went to college, got the degree, got hired, has a nice car, has the white picket fence, got the partner. And then they're like, this is it. Like now what? And I think so many people are dealing with that and you're seeing it more and more of just people that are like wanting or, or feeling like they're chained and trapped in and they want to express themselves. And so I think, I think we've all kind of hit it, hit the nail on the head. It's like the subconscious knows what it wants, but it's just getting the conscious mind out of the way. Mm-hmm. And surrendering. Yeah. Right. right. Disney never tells us what happens after have uh, happily ever after. Right. Happily ever after, then what? You're fucking yeah. stuck with Rapunzel for the rest of your life and you're climbing the climbing her hair and after happily ever after is six grams of mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. It does remind me of a dream I had this week though, guys. I was Sorry. in like a castle <laughs> and what? it's crumbling to the ground. Kind of fucking crazy, right? Like and my ego's like, what? And like things are toppling off of it and I know there's a whole thing we can get into there, but we won't, but like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. So Doug, where, uh, tell us about daily shit. Where can people find it? So you can find me at Doug underscore Cartwright on Instagram. I answer every single DM. 
So if you send me a DM, I'll, I'll respond to you. Um, you can find my course at thedailyshifts.com and you can find my app in the app store, which is just The Daily Shifts. Awesome. Well, I love it. And man, you were talking about glowing. You're, I can see you fucking glowing. You are fucking glowing. Through Zoom. And I want to say that I love how you're talking about shifts, right? And that's what COVID has done. Shift. better, It's shifting. People are shifting. People are losing their jobs. People are, people are going inward and being like, what, what is it that really matters here? And it's a perfect time for them to do a course like this, you know? And I'll give your listeners a, a sneak, a, a free, a free pass. So basically, the course is eight hundred bucks on my website, but I have a webinar on my website that you can watch at any time, um, where I give a ton of value on kind of like some daily shifts I do um, on top of the app, and I have a special link within the webinar that gives you the course half off. So if you're interested in the course, buy it through the webinar, not through the main website, and it'll save you. It'll save you four hundred bucks, dude. See, it's perfect. Listen, finally, listening to Mormons on Mushrooms pays off. <laughs> like if you made it to the end of our podcast, it pays off. I love it. Always. Sorry, say that one more time. It cuts out a little bit. I say it always pays off. If you say to the end, it always pays off. That's right. There you go. I love it. And now Doug. I know why the universe, uh, why I opened up Instagram. I'm like, oh yeah, Doug, we need to talk to this guy. I remember we were supposed to talk to him in November and it didn't work out and we need to talk to him. And now I know why, because I needed this conversation. <laughs> it's early December. We're close enough. Close enough. Doug, you're the man. Thank you so much. This, I mean, amazing. Awesome. So much. Thanks for having me on. I hope to talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Hi, Mike. All right, Doug. Much love. Right. Okay. Much love. Love you. Take care. Want to keep talking? Yeah, I'll just let's talk for a little bit more. <laughs> Man, I just fucking love this. I get so excited. And every time it just blows my brains and I go, ah, this is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, what I was thinking while we were chatting, it, the, the synchronicities and the the common themes and threads that we're starting to see. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm okay with saying, okay, well, you see what you're looking for. I mean, you know, confirmation bias and stuff like that, but like the stuff that we keep seeing is fucking radical. Right. And it's like, people are having these same kinds of visions and experiences and kind of like imagery from uh, a dimension other than the one that we are aware of and, and living in. It's so fucking cool. That guy was so awesome. He was so awesome. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And oh. yeah. And that whole cake thing and end it. Wow, man. Like it just shows that we're just like someone, someone's in control here and it's like showing us different things and we, we lean into it. it we're going to be taken care of and it could get scary along the way at times, but like, you know, we'll lean into the fear of that. You're right. But yeah. That's the thing. That's the block I keep coming up against mm-hmm. is, and, and, and I think that this was really a good one for me is because, yeah, I think that you hit it. I mean, I keep coming up against like, is this, is my current version of success and all the things that I thought I wanted, is it really what I wanted or is it what I was told to want and therefore pursued it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you've had some good success, man. That's fucking all. I, I, I love celebrating that with you last week. <laughs> well, 
Yeah. Thanks. I, I it, it was a lot for me to yeah. tell, I mean, to tell you, Eric and, and Tess about that whole thing, but all we need now is someone to do like editing, sound engineering and fucking social media. And we're good to go. We're good to go. We just, we just get to come on and record. I wouldn't like, give up the social media thing so quick. Cause you're so good on that. Like I, you really, people really, really respond to what you do on Instagram. The same when you do your posts too. I mean, you're, yeah. Like Mine are all just like I was taking a shit and I thought something was funny. That 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 yours are like of mine too. Like, <laughs> oh, come on, you're not giving yourself enough credit. You got a skill. Yeah, so I haven't given up the Instagram thing yet, but like, yeah, but I think it's just more. And then if it's just like I gotta come once a week or whatever or twice, whatever, and just record. I mean, we can yeah. do more if if that's all we're doing. If we don't have to edit and stuff, totally agree. We can do two a week easily, you know. There is a limit of like, what will people listen to? But yeah, you know. I mean, I think that probably an hour to an hour and a half of a podcast per week is probably asking people what they want. Yeah, exactly. It's probably like maybe even too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right. Well, I love you. Um, love you let's talk soon, I guess. I, I mean, I got, I got nothing. I got, yeah. I got, I, we could, I could talk for hours with you, but I, yeah. I, I probably, this is probably good as any spot to stop. Yeah, probably. But we'll, we'll talk more. Okay. Okay, buddy. Love you. All right. Love you too. Bye.